The Hogs are going to Omaha. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. You can actually feel Razorback Stadium shaking underneath our feet right now. You just got to keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. Arkansas wins a national championship. What I say when it comes to this basketball team is the law. Absolutely and without discussion. Oh, Ty was a warrior. The Hawks are going to Omaha. Trackouts are boring. Besides that, they're fascist. Throw some ground ball. It's more democratic. Borderline erotic. You're listening to the Halftime Podcast. Well, yesterday there were the reports of Kelvin Sampson talking with the University of Houston about a new contract and an extension that would pay him upwards of about $3 million per year. And it appears that this is going to be true. So yesterday, something that we heard was true. Imagine that. And now you've even got other reports that don't sound like they make much sense. Jerry Stackhouse as the next head coach of Vanderbilt uh, without any college coaching experience, certainly no head coaching experience. That sounds like the beginning of a, of an April Fool's Day joke. Not like I know Jerry Stackhouse personally, but it just feels <clears throat> a little bit weird uh, to uh, to be going to a, a name that really never gets thrown around in any of the coaching searches or has any head coaching experience. You know, we're going from a guy now in, in Kelvin Sampson. If we are to put the whole Kelvin Sampson thing to bed, you're going from the most experienced coach that supposedly was available during this offseason to now, as even some of our own personalities here on ESPN Arkansas are talking about, a coach in Eric Musselman, perhaps. And not just perhaps, by the way, but there are some that say this is 100%. A guy that uh, does have some of that NBA experience, even as a head coach, and now has the experience of four years taking a previously, I love the term, moribund, moribund Nevada basketball team. Are, ter- you're going to have to explain that. Moribund, yeah. dull, blah, less than mediocre, bad, boring, and turning them into a sexy Mountain West, you know, Mountain West team. A couple of 30-win seasons. Ranked as high as, what, second or third this year in the polls at some point. Uh, so, you know, also uh, losing in the tournament, I think, about the same time that Kelvin Sampson's Houston Cougars did. No, they lost first round. Well, they got their they first round exit. They lost to Florida in the first round. They were seven seed and Florida was a 10. And they were supremely disappointing in the NCAA tournament, especially to me who had them all going all the way to the Elite Eight because, Phil, they were the most experienced team in college basketball. Well, that's one thing that Musselman is known for building because these players were not experienced only at Nevada, at least not for the most part. And I know, you know, I, I come in here and John Neighbors, I know he was talking about it on, on the morning rush today, and he's pretty much saying he thinks it's a done deal, that this is happening today, that it'll happen today, tomorrow, sometime soon, you know, Uh and, and looking into Musselman's history of recruiting the transfer route, which really you have to do in, in college sports now. I mean, you can't just do it in college football or college baseball. It's a big thing in basketball, too. They'll tell you now that how many, how many players per year are leaving programs? Two, three sometimes. You know, already you've got, already, look at, look at from this list last year. Jordan Phillips transfers out of Arkansas. In January, so that was early. 
And now, Keyshawn Embry-Simpson made the announcement yesterday, leaving the Arkansas program to go to Tulsa, where it really, to me, seems like he would fit in pretty well from the flashes that we saw from Keyshawn. I think, a good, you know, an American athletic conference team, he'll have an opportunity to play, show that uh, shooting range, and see if maybe he can't be the answer to uh, the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. But... I mean, now this this shows what was the what was the biggest thing that you didn't have on Arkansas's basketball team this last year, aside from you know another post player that could do something, with the exception of Daniel Gafford. Experience, isn't that what we heard so much? Lack of experience, no seniors. One of the only one of the only teams in the country that didn't have a single senior on the roster. Only one junior too. So I mean, then maybe who knows if if Musselman is the guy, and it's a big if because. I know it's the day after April Fool's Day, Ty, but I still don't know what to believe. People tell me on social media if the guy's got a, if a, if the if the person that you're looking at has a blue check, then you should be able to believe them. Apparently, well, we were we we believe uh, Reed Laymans, who is a sports editor for the Houston Chronicle, saying that Kelvin Sampson's closing in a new deal with the uh, Houston Cougars. So. If that blue check is telling us that's going to happen, maybe you got to put the whole idea of Samson to bed. And now the blue check of Jeff Goodman from Watch Stadium is the one reporting that Musselman is the top target for the Arkansas Razorbacks. So I guess we should learn a little bit about this guy, even if he's not going to be the next coach, because it's a, it's a coaching search and you you just can't ever say it's 100%, no matter how many sources will tell you that, things happen. Until it's pinned to paper. So I texted a couple national guys last night. I Because obviously, being in Arkansas, we don't have a, a wide range of what this guy is, what he's done for Nevada, which is, they get very partial. You have to say Nevada. They do. You've picked up on this, so haven't you? That was in Nashville. They... Are very they get very irritated when you don't say Nevada. It's say, not Nevada. Yeah, it is Nevada. Correct. So, and there's going to be a media member that ask. So, if he is hired, so Eric, how was your time at Nevada? And See, he he might wince a little bit, or he might look at the media member wrong. It would be akin to somebody saying Arkansas instead of Arkansas. It's like the notorious Les Miles press conference. In 2007, when he's been asked about Michigan, and he said, I'm getting ready for Arkansas. Uh huh. So, a quote that lives in infamy amongst Arkansas fans. That really irritated them when they heard him say that. Even though I don't think Les Miles meant any disrespect. He just didn't know. Just didn't know. How do you not know? Come on. We all know how to pronounce the 50 states, mostly. Yeah. So, what I I like, there's a lot of stuff we have to unpack with Eric Musselman and you mentioned the transfers so let's start there as I mentioned Nevada had the most experienced team in college basketball what's interesting about it he doesn't really get four-year guys he is a transfer-oriented basketball coach now he's only had four years at the college level as a head coach he was at LSU under Johnny Jones as an assistant and then he really as Phil mentioned took Nevada out of the depths at one point, they were 9-22 and 22 before he got there. Then they won 24, 28, 29, and 29 games in his four years. They made three straight NCAA tournaments, made a Sweet 16 last year. And what's interesting, I got a little insight because I got to watch them play. They played in Nashville last year. And so I actually have a, a couple good pictures of them celebrating 
the win against Cincinnati. And my goodness, they had some talent. Cody and Caleb Martin, both transfers from NC State. Jordan Caroline, transfer. Their big guy who I'm blanking on his name, but he was a transfer from Old Dominion. Most of his talent, Phil, yeah. was transfers. I mean, I'm looking at the roster here. That forward you're talking about is Trey Porter from Old Dominion. Trey Porter. But, mm-hmm. but here, there's at the top of the list are five transfers, six, seven, eight. Eight transfers on this past season's Nevada Wolfpack coming from places like Omaha, Nebraska, Louisiana Tech, Wagner College, Alaska Anchorage, Bryant, NC State, Old Dominion, Portland University, Menlo College, Southern Illinois. Isn't that wild? That's amazing. So it's more than eight. That that's just the transfers that were on that had transferred from a team last year mm-hmm. and loved- joined Nevada this season. So it looks like about eighty percent of the roster started their collegiate career on a different program. And this is why he actually addressed this in an interview with Watch Stadium. He almost treats it as college free agency. It really started uh, with some of the NBA background I had. I looked at freshmen as kind of being like draft picks, and I looked at transfers as being NBA free agents. A lot of guys have turned Nevada into a stepping stone for the next step at the pro level. So it's interesting how he's going to go about, assuming he keeps his same coaching philosophy and same pulling in transfer philosophy if he were to be hired at Arkansas, I'm curious how the state would feel about that because there is some in-state talent here we've talked about. I mean, Bobby Portis, Daniel Gafford, Archie Goodwin, Malik Monk, Kayvon Allen, and they're Nick's. I've talked to Nick a little about this because he's pretty tied into the AAU circuit. There's some AAU talent coming up. You missed on McBride. He's obviously going to Kansas. But coming up, there's a few kids that Arkansas should probably go after. And if his whole idea is to pull in these transfers, and you know how Arkansas is from living here for 18 years. They really want their Arkansas kids to succeed. Supposed to build a fence around the state. Around At the least state. that's what I've heard every single coach say after Football, he's been hired. Football, basketball, baseball, it really doesn't matter because that's the whole philosophy behind being a coach at the University of Arkansas. I still haven't sport. seen that fence around the state, by the way, with the exception of the baseball, baseball team, mostly. I was going to say baseball team, DVH is probably the only coach, and I would say Houston Nutt did a really good job of that. But outside of that, it really didn't seem like Brett Bielema cared too much about it. Now, since Chad Morris has come in, it really seems like he wants to establish that. But how do fans react to that, Phil? If you're an Arkansas fan and you're not getting these in-state kids... Are, are you are you a little irritated? If they but win, are you winning? Yeah, that's that's the point. If they win, I think fans might be a little little irritated. But if they're winning, it won't matter. The winning comes first. Yep. And then where they're from comes second. And even if they started in Arkansas, would come way distant third, if that even matters. Because what it's about now, you've already hey look you've you've done the hometown thing with Mike Anderson. And although, I mean, he's not from Fayetteville, he's not from Arkansas, but he pretty much is. You know, if you're might gonna, as well be. Might as well be. Correct. As, Arkan, as Arkansan, as anybody else in this state, Mike Anderson. And he's gotten the eight years, and I know, you know, hired by a different athletic director, but if the, if, if what happened this past season is not good enough for a Hunter Juracek or for a lot of the fans who agreed with the dismissal and have been calling for it the last two or even three years, then you can't complain about somebody who's coming in from out of state 
and might not recruit as hard in the state as you might like if they win because because that's what I'm told now it's all about. And they're still recruiting. And I, I get it. As an Arkansan born and raised in this state, I get that little extra passion, the little extra oomph if you see an Arkansas kid succeed. But one of the things that you and I brought up during Mike Anderson's tenure, the coaching wasn't necessarily the biggest problem. What was the biggest problem? Well, Phil? I mean, the last the last few years, it's it seemed to just be a perfect storm of NBA level talent leaving early, recruiting, and missing on some in state kids, and it just ends up creating a void of experience and talent on the roster that you saw this past year. So it won't sit well if he doesn't succeed early on and they're missing on in-state kids, so they're just not putting their time and effort to that. Because Chad Morris has made it apparent since he's gotten to campus, we need to build a fence around the state. Now, whether they follow through with that in the coming years, that's for something that we can see. It doesn't seem like, based on Musselman's track record, that they're going to spend a lot of effort in that. One thing they will do, and that you've seen with Chad Morris and this coaching staff, social media is very sure. important to this incoming coaching staff if Musselman was to accept the job at the University of Arkansas. And that was even at a smaller school with less of a brand. Nevada is not a college basketball brand. Now, it was starting to become one under him, and this is assuming he comes to Arkansas, which, again, we don't know for sure one way or another. But... He knows the importance of social media to these kids in terms of recruiting and in terms of the fan base and just all that encompasses. So that's going to be important that he keeps those aspects, if he were to accept the job here, what he did at Nevada from a social media standpoint here at Arkansas. Well, I think the resources that you have at Nevada compared to what a Kelvin Sampson had or has at Houston and the backing of certain, uh, well, I was going to say investors, you know, but but boosters we really is the college word friend, for investors. Friend, friends of the program, as we like to often refer to him as. You know, I mean, and I know Fertitta is the owner of Golden Nugget, which obviously has a presence in Reno. I've stayed at that hotel in Reno. But you know, if you're if you're Arkansas and you and you you're gonna have you're gonna have more of an opportunity to pull somebody away from a Nevada than you would from for Houston, and and I think Musselman and. Kelvin Sampson are different points in their careers. You know, they've both been assistants at NBA levels. Musselman's had the head coaching experience. You know, Kelvin Sampson's already been to the big power leagues in college basketball. And right now it might be more important for him to be at a place that that allows him to set up his son, Kellen, to be the coach in waiting. That supposedly is, is something that was pretty important to him along with getting a bump in pay. And but, must, go ahead. But, but maybe staying in a city like Houston and, and being at where, where they've already in football taken away a head coach from a Power 5 school in West Virginia, Dana Holgerson, and they, so they, they, they've got the money to compete. Nevada doesn't have that. They don't have those, they don't have those, those facilities. You know, and, and I think if you're a head coach that's looking to make a big dent in college basketball, you need to be in one of these big leagues to do it. You know, there, there's only so many Gonzagas out there, but they've all—they've been coached by Mark Few from the very start. Beginning Mark, of time, yeah. Mark Few leaves Gonzaga. That's that's not going to be anything of what it's been. You, I just don't see that's the kind of program that that keeps that cycle going. 
So, but isn't this also a West Coast guy? Does it matter very much? Does, I mean, if you are the kind of coach that refers to transfers as free agents and therefore boosters at the same time would be investors, this is what college sports has come to. And you need a quick rebuild right now. You do at Arkansas. They've got to find a way to rebuild this roster and get it reloaded for next year. Based on the conversation that I had with the National College Basketball guy last night, he told me that the rebuild would be quick. He would get some transfers in here if he were to come to Arkansas, and it would be fast. Now, long term, he wasn't so sure. But in terms of short term, he was pretty sold that Musselman could get to an NCAA tournament his second year. And again, that's it's all a wait-to-BC game at this point because we don't know again what the deal is with this hire at this point. But you mentioned kind of the West Coast. That's important if you're trying to really recruit in-state kids in the area. But based on his track record, I don't know if he's just going to completely change his recruiting philosophy overnight. Now, he might learn in the next couple years, I can't do this transfer thing in the SEC. But at this point right now, based on what he's done at Nevada... I, I don't know if that's that big of a deal. Those are These are players who are looking for the next opportunity to make a dent for a college basketball team. So I think in a lot of their minds, it doesn't matter where the coach is from. You know, He doesn't have to be from Nevada to get a kid to come there if he's shown, we've got open space, you'll be here for a year or two, and I think you can help us out right now. They're looking for playing time. It's about playing time, and it's about the level of competition too. Now you're now if you're if you're a transfer, and it's not just JUCO transfers. We're talking about four year college transfers. If you 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 want to play in the best of the best, the SEC right now is it's not the ACC. It's on par with the Big Ten. It's on par with the Big Twelve. It's no longer number six out of the Power Six. It's now tied for second. You're going to get some of these best. Some of these really good, talented players that don't like where they are right now. And if you want a blueprint for a program that's done this, look at Iowa State. They've won four out of the past six Big 12 Conference championships. They're really good, and not Fred Hoiberg was good at this, and Steve Prohm has kind of picked up picked up on it as well. He brought in Nick Wilder-Babb, who was a former Razorback. Brought in Mario Shayok, who played for Virginia, and Tony Bennett. They're good at pulling in transfers and getting wins. Now, they haven't had the tournament success that people wanted, including me, who I always talk to you about. I've always fallen in love all, with Iowa. I can't wait till next year's March Madness. I'll do so the you exact can get bitter same thing. on Iowa State again. I'll do the exact same thing, but it can work in a Power Six conference because that's basketball's Power Six. So it can work. There, It's not unrealistic to think it can work. Another thing Musselman brings is energy. Have you seen some of these videos? And I saw it firsthand in Nashville when they were there for the NCAA. He likes to take his shirt off. Oh, I saw the video of him holding his player back in, uh, in, in Logan, Utah. So he obviously you know, isn't afraid of uh, mixing it up if he's got to and showing some emotion on his player's behalf. He's very emotional. And, that, and for those of you who don't know what Phil's talking about, there's a video of Jordan Caroline when Nevada lost to Utah State and there was apparently an altercation with a fan in Caroline. He's ticked off. Musselman, that whole staff's ticked off. But he's a really emotional, high-energy guy. Gerald Green called him the most, it said the, he had the most energy of any coach I've ever been around. 
He's an NBA player, and he has that NBA experience. And Caleb Martin is an NBA player. Jordan Caroline is an NBA player. They're both probably going to get drafted. So you have that going for you. You have the fact that you coach in the NBA. You can say, I have this experience and know what, what it takes for you to get to the NBA. And that's something we've touched on with Kelvin Sampson, who's apparently now staying in Houston, according to a bunch of sources. But a couple sources a few days back said he was Arkansas's ideal candidate and going to come here. So honestly, until pen to paper sign, we don't know to believe. But at least there's that aspect that Musselman can say, I've been in the NBA. I know what it takes for you to get there. And Arkansas, again, really hasn't had that. They haven't had it with Eddie Sutton. They hadn't had it with Nolan Richardson. They didn't have it with Mike Anderson or Stan Heath or John Pelfrey. I just realized the video you put on our Hit That Line tweet yeah. getting our show out there today. You said he likes to take his shirt off, and there it is. Eric Musselman, shirt off, on the floor, at Nevada, and a woman writing with Sharpie, three-peat, right there on his very pale White chest. I, that might be his wife, and I'm pretty sure it is. Okay. That was their third straight Mountain West Conference um, regular season champion. Once we get to the eighth month of, the, of this show, can I get you to write in Sharpie eight months on my chest? Sure. All right, I'll have to shave first. Well, again, it's all about the blue check, right? What's true? Still, still don't even really know what to believe. I want to believe, John. I really do. I want to believe that there'll be an Arkansas basketball coach sometime later today. You're listening to the Halftime Podcast. Follow the guys on Twitter at Phil Elson PXP and at Ty Sports Radio. And it's Joe Adams with a hurdle. Great speed. Adams down the wow. sideline. He's gone. 92 yards for a touchdown. They're setting up what looks like a press conference at Bud Walton Arena. There could be other things that this is about, right? I mean, I guess. I mean, the most obvious thing, of course, is, is the hiring of a new head uh, head basketball coach. And that's personally what I'm hoping it's for because I, I'm ready for the coaching search to be over. I know it. And, uh, and to be able to actually be like, okay, this is the guy. And instead of having to look, you know, 20 different guys and, you know, their background and history so we can focus in on one guy. And that, that's what I'm hoping for. That's what I'm hoping for, too, because I, I, I don't know what to believe. You know, and yesterday with April Fool's Day, you never know what to believe about anything anyway. So I'm with you. I just want this thing to be over with. And, and maybe, maybe Eric Musselman's the right guy. Maybe he is. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it kind of seems like he is a, a, a big candidate at the moment. Uh, of course, you know, if we had talked, you know, maybe three days ago, I would have said Kelvin Sampson seemed to be the number one target. Yep. Now it seems that uh, that ship has sailed, and he's getting ready to sign an extension at Houston. And uh, but just looking at Musselman, you know, looking at his background, he's got an NBA background. He has experience in college. He has success at Nevada. Uh, has taken Nevada to the Sweet Sixteen. So he seems to be a a solid uh, uh, guy that could come in and maybe help Arkansas maybe rebuild a little bit faster because he doesn't do things through traditional ways of recruiting. He brings in a lot of transfers. Uh, his starting lineup this year was five fifth-year seniors, all of whom started at different Division One universities. So that's an interesting angle. I mean, it would be interesting to see what he would be able to do in maybe a short amount of time at, at Arkansas. Uh, maybe I should I should wait to ask this question until a hire is official and and, and we see some of Hunter Yurichek's answers. It. Do to it questions. now. Should I be a little quick on this? Do it now. Pull what, the you, do you think we've learned anything about Hunter Yurichek's hiring practices through this last week? Oh, man, I, I think it's a little early because 
I, I was a little concerned uh, whenever it all, you know, the timing of everything, you know, doing it after, you know, accepting the NIT bid, not getting a jump on it, uh, things like that. And then you, you've seen kind of, it, 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 at least from the outside, it appears like it's a mad scramble to find a coach. You know, Kelvin Sampson was the most obvious logical choice, but it seems like that really is not going to happen. And now you're hearing all sorts of different names. Uh, some are more exciting than others, I'll put it that way. Uh, so, I mean, if they, there's still a chance, you know, as Arkansas fans know, there's still a chance they could screw this up. Uh, I think Musselman would be a solid hire. It probably wouldn't get everybody super excited. Uh, but I think that it would be better than maybe others uh, that are, you know, have been thrown around. So, uh, like a uh, the guy at UCLA that was just fired, uh, Steve Alford, whose name gave me there for a second, uh, you know, to fire a coach and then bring in a coach that was just fired, I think would be a kind of a bad look. So uh, I'm interested to see how it plays out, and I'm going to reserve my judgment until uh, after the coach is announced and has been here a little bit. Talking Arkansas sports with Andrew Hutchinson, Rivals.com. Andrew, I'm curious, do you think that Arkansas truly ever went after Kelvin Sampson, or do you think that was just a smokescreen to avoid who Hunter Yurchek was actually deciding on? I mean, it it sure seemed like they went after him because I mean they had their uh, uh, I can't I don't know the guy's name but the guy that the the billionaire owner of the Rockets who Tillman for Ted uh, yes he came out and he said you know he actually talked about Arkansas you know he even said you know we hope he stays here uh, you know Fayetteville's a nice place but this is it's not Houston Texas so uh, that sure seems like Arkansas was a was an actual uh, player there. I can't imagine Juracek just doing it for uh, you know. Hey, you're you're a buddy of mine. We're going to pretend to be interested to get you a pay raise. I don't I don't think he would do that. Uh, so I, I do think there was some interest there. Uh, obviously, we'll probably never know. Whoever they hire will be the number one choice that we focused on all the time. We you know, we never interviewed or offered anybody else. That's what they'll say. So. Uh, but I do think there is some interest there with Kelvin Sampson. Yeah, I read a Mike Irwin KNWA piece yesterday, and he talked about how Frank Broyles always referred to the person they hired as their only guy they were going after. So that's not an uncommon philosophy, I think, for Arkansas sports. Have you heard anything about Eric Musselman, Andrew? Or are you just kind of guessing at this point what kind of coach he is? You know, I did a little bit of reading up on him yesterday uh, and kind of researched, you know, preparation as, you know, all of us in the media do. we got to get prepared for, you know, whoever it is. And, and I mean, I, I, it does seem like he is a uh, – he knows what he's doing. He came up through the, the professional ranks, spent a lot of time in the uh, the D-League, uh, then the, the predecessor of the D-League, I think it was called the Continental Basketball Association. He spent a lot of time there. He even has time, you know, three seasons coaching an NBA team. So that's kind of an interesting uh, background. Uh, but unlike, you know, an Avery Johnson who, you know, failed at Alabama, he actually has experience coaching on a college level as well. I mean, he was an assistant at Arizona State, LSU, uh, then obviously a success in four years uh, at Nevada, being able to turn that program around. Uh, he improved their win total, uh, or doubled their win total uh, during the regular season his first year at Nevada. One, I think it was the CBI. I guess that's the, the third tournament behind the NCAA tournament in NIT. And then it's taken him to the NCAA tournament the last three years. So uh, I don't really know much about his, his style or anything, but it does look, you know, off the court at least, his style of recruiting is bringing in uh, transfers, being able to fit pieces together like that in order to get success, you know, right away. It'll be interesting to see how he would handle it if he gets beyond a, 
you know, year four, year five, if he gets, if he's out of school for a decade, does he start recruiting normal high school uh, players or does he stick to the, the transfer route? So spring game Saturday, we're, we're carrying it here on ESPN Arkansas at three o'clock, two thirty airtime. Is Ben Hicks the biggest uh, the biggest thing to watch at the spring game? Because I kind of I want to I want to see what what you can watch about Trey Knox and I'm interested about Chase Hayden. But is is the most interesting thing about this spring game going to be Ben Hicks? Well, he's the quarterback, and the most interesting part of any spring game is going to be the quarterback ninety nine percent of the time. Uh, so I think everyone's going to be really excited to see what he can do. Uh, you can't really put too much stock into it because he's still got Nick Starkle that's going to come in mm-hmm. uh, eventually. You know, over the summer he's going to compete for the job. You know, Connor Nolan he's you know busy playing baseball right now. I'm not sure if he's going to make it back from Auburn uh, in time to play in the spring game or not. Uh, so the, it's kind of up in the air from a quarterback uh, standpoint. Uh, but I am interested to see what Trey Knox does. I mean, that, that's the thing I'm most looking forward to is because Trey Knox is, uh, you know, just a, a, a physical specimen, I guess you could say, just from a size standpoint. And apparently he's been making this incredible plays in practice, and I'm kind of anxious to see that uh, myself in person. Uh, any other takeaway that you're, that you're hoping to find out at the, at the spring game? Because for me, you know, I don't even know if they're keeping score. You know, they're they're going after championship belts. It seems so much like a glorified practice that I just don't know what else could be, you know, very important. What else are you looking at? I'm going to be watching the offensive line. Uh, again, that's something that's going to be kind of up in the air and in flux right now because of some injuries up front. Uh, you know, they've got uh, Colton Jackson is out. He's not going to be playing. Uh, so it's not going to be the offensive line we necessarily see, you know, game one of the season. Uh, but it would be interesting to see how they handle themselves uh, against the defensive line that has been getting pressure uh, on the quarterback. You know, the little bit of the scrimmage we got to watch this past Saturday, the offensive line really struggled. So I'm, I'm anxious to see if the offensive line can bounce back maybe and uh, have a better performance than what we saw in the little bit that we got to watch on Saturday. Andrew, let me top off the interview with this. What was the most depleted position in Arkansas football when Chad Morris arrived on campus? Oh, man. Well, the offensive line is an easy choice just Mm -hmm. because they didn't have enough offensive linemen last year to field two full units. You had a walk-on that helped complete the second unit, and even sometimes then uh, you'd have guys running first and second team. So uh, it was really depleted, and, and linebacker is another one. Uh, the numbers are are pretty low and even still pretty low, uh, especially with you know Scooter Harris being out. Uh, those are the two that really jump out at me. Uh, some other positions had numbers, you know, wide receivers. There was plenty of wide receivers on the team, but they weren't the style of wide receivers that Chad Morris needs in his offense. They weren't big physical guys like Trey Knox. You had maybe the smaller wide receivers, uh, guys that will probably still get some playing time this year. Guys like Deion Stewart. Uh, you know, Davion Warren, those guys, uh, they're, they're looking for more physical guys. And I think that uh, this recruiting class, you know, they, they got four, signed four wide receivers, and that's going to help, uh, you know, get that going. But uh, they still had numbers. So the, the two most depleted positions, I think, were maybe offensive line, uh, just from a strict number standpoint, and, and also linebacker. Andrew, we'll be quick with this because we've got just about a minute left or so, but we'll switch over to baseball real quick injuries expose your depth or lack thereof. What can we make of Jacob Costi shocks? And I don't know what to call it necessarily because it's just, it's arm soreness right now. We don't know how long he's going to be out. 
what needs to happen for that injury to not have a deep impact? I think you're going to need to see the starters maybe give you a little bit more than they have, maybe get Connor Nolan to go full five, maybe even six innings. I uh, hope Cody Scroggins bounces back from his, you know, probably his worst start of the season this past weekend. Uh, maybe get a complete game out of Isaiah Campbell or two. Uh, that would be impressive and good to see. Save that bullpen because now you got one less arm in Jake Kasi shot uh, to to be able to give you some solid innings out of the bullpen. So uh, maybe, maybe even have a freshman step up. Maybe it's uh, an Elijah Trest or somebody like that. So. Uh, it's definitely something to keep an eye on this weekend as they as they go down to Auburn for a, a big another top twenty five matchup. All right, Hutch, that's great stuff. We went around the world with you. We did basketball, we did football, we did baseball. As always, well done. Appreciate you having me on, guys. Subscribe to hit that line on iTunes. You're listening to the halftime pod. Swung on up the middle for a base hit. And you can't put this one to bed. The Razorbacks come back and walk on. Get off my lawn. Did you hear me? I said get off my lawn now. Old man, my ass. Perhaps I could be of some assistance. You're on Facebook, huh? Well, I've been trying to figure it out. I joined about 10 minutes ago. Well, better late than never. Get off my lawn. I got a couple of baseball things first here. Uh, Peter Alonzo was a slugger for the Florida Gators. Uh, It's been a couple years now in the Mets organization, and he's the top prospect from the New York Mets. He's the first baseman now for New York. He was uh, he started the season with the Mets after breaking spring training and hit his first home run last night. 112.8 miles per hour exit speed off Peter Alonso's bat, and the ball traveled an estimated 444 feet. This is somebody that's got the power potential to hit 40 to 50 home runs on a routine basis, and... He just told that ball. That's that's a ridiculous exit speed. I mean, anything that's close to 110 is craziness. Anything over 120 is otherworldly. And StatCast has been keeping track of these exit speeds now for I think it's been six years. And this is the this is the fastest exit speed by a Mets player in the last five years. So Peter Alonso told that ball to get off his lawn, and then his teammates after the game. Of course, this is the stuff you can only do to rookies. Uh, celebrated that first Major League home run by dumping eggs, ketchup, barbecue sauce, beer, mayonnaise, and more beer on his head before he even did his postgame interview. Oh. Welcome to the team, buddy. Launch that ball, and here's some eggs on your head. That's tough. Ugh. I'd... <laughs> How do you react to it? Like, I- I've seen, like, Coke, beer, but, like, all those toppings you just listed? No, it's a good combined. Thing. It's a good thing there's a shower right next, you know, right yeah. in, the, in the room next door. It's a good point because here's the guy I've always felt sorry for when it comes to doing all this sort of stuff. And I've seen this this done in in major league clubhouse. I've seen videos of it. I mean, leg- legitimately, it's like the scene from Dazed and Confused where the girls are, you know, they basically just they become sandwich meat. Roll and, over, right? Beep. Fry, fry you little bees, fry! You know, just just spreading everything you possibly can out of your pantry onto these poor girls. That is such, and a they'll movie. they'll do this. They'll do this to major league rookies, but the guys who really have to wear it are the clubhouse attendants, the guys who clean up the clubhouse. Those are the ones that really have to be like again. I mean, I think to them, and it's not even just the first month of the season because rookies get called up routinely. And so maybe this is the kind of maybe this is the sort of thing that you really make your tips off of. 
what Phil's saying in so little words is he's okay with hazing in sports. Is that what I'm understanding? As long as it's good natured. And as long as you tip the folks who clean up after these giant, disgusting messes. Ed Reed was really harping on that. He would get really frustrated when other players would not throw their tape in the trash can. When it was right next to him, they'd just throw it on Mm -hmm. the floor. So, yeah, that's a good point. This could be some bad news. And I don't know 100% how how much truth there is, but... Dave Van Horn was talking to some renovations about Baumwalker Stadium. This is from Tyler Cass of 5 News. I can't say much, but there may be some new options for drinks. And he was laughing about that. And I tried to find the audio. I couldn't find it anywhere. And so what that would mean, presumably, that I would lead me to believe, Phil, is if they sell alcohol in Baumwalker Stadium, the hog pin drinks would get Next, how are you? You see, you're the conspiracy theorist on this show. How did you draw these two these two dots together? Because I would think that they wouldn't if they're selling alcohol in this. And I could be a hundred percent wrong on this, but I would think if they're selling alcohol in the stadium, they're, they're not going to let people bring alcohol in like they have right now. Correct. Am, am I wrong to assume that? I, you're I, the baseball guy. Well, I'm not the stadium operations guy. You're supposed to be in the know, man. And I'm not the I'm not the compliance guy either. So I don't know how it would work. But if they're introducing new drinks that have alcoholic content in them, then what's the problem? That you can't bring in your own? Yeah, that's the problem. That's what you see. So you're just afraid about not being able to bring in your own. So here's what you do. You hide it. You hide it. It's not that easy, Phil. Sure it is. I could, I mean, I know I know what it you gets can, to. You can hey, walk. I'm one of those people that's allowed to bring a bag inside the stadium. I don't have to have my, uh, my, uh, my, my, my clear clutch. Do you not get searched when you walk in? They look in my bag, but they don't ask what that is. It just, uh, I, I could throw anything off and just say, it's, it's radio equipment. Don't worry about it. It could be anything. I could say, it's radio equipment. Don't worry. <laughs> and the next thing you know, who knows? No, but it. They didn't search normal media members like when I was going to games. They always search my bag. I think you're a little afraid about something that's not happening. I don't see. Maybe I'm wrong, but I I don't see the hog pen because that's part of the culture of the hog pen. That's why there are other college baseball parks in the country that allow students in the student section and, and in other seating areas to bring in their own stuff while they still sell alcoholic beverages in the suites. I would be very surprised if there are alcoholic beverages sold in in the regular uh, concession stands. Okay. I think up in the suites, I could see it happening. That's what I see at Ole Miss. I think I see that at Mississippi State, uh, maybe even Texas A&M, okay. I'm remembering. But, but they still allow, if I also remember correctly, like in the left field lounge at, at Duty Noble Field, bring whatever you want. The students that do the beer showers at Ole Miss, nobody's just telling them not to bring whatever. I don't know if they're supplied the beer that they throw. Better not be throwing good beer. Better be throwing Natty or Ultra. Easy. Easy. I, you know I you threw that pick, on for a reason. You pick out a couple other beers than that. Um, I, I'm going to tell you, don't be worried about So I shouldn't fret it. about this. No, I'm going to tell you to just Cause I had people text keep your me about, lawn unmowed for right now. Okay, because I had people text me yesterday seeing this quote freaking out about this. You'll never be there again. I'll never go. See, you weren't even a fan anyway. You just wanted a place to get trash. I still haven't gone to a game yet. I need to go. Yes, you do. Have I? Tonight, Little Rock Trojans, 630. 
Six I'll o'clock airtime. Historic day. Who do they play next weekend? Uh, well, that's at Vanderbilt next weekend. Never mind. You got a Tuesday I'm game plan again. Plan on going up there next weekend. I forget who they even play next Tuesday because they do have a home game next it, Tuesday. But it's hard, Phil. I mean, you know this. It's hard for me to make a midweek game because I'd be getting back here at about ten or eleven at night. And then, then you get, then basically not even go to sleep. You know, show up for work yeah. here at two a.m. three hours before four four hours before the show starts. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say, don't worry about it. Okay. Wait for the announcement to feel sad if they actually say we're not allowing you to bring your own beverages in. Oh, I'm not going to be mad. And then you just get creative. I won't even be mad at them for doing it. I'll be just be mad at you for telling me one thing and deciding on another as far-fetched as that idea is. But yeah. Well, I think the Red Sox could have been mad last night because, man, I got to tell you, I, replay sucks. Replay sucks. I've seen... A couple of replays in college ball already, college baseball, that for me, the video and the call don't match up. I'm watching Oakland and Boston last night on my MLB.tv, and I'm watching the Nesson broadcast, the New England Sports Network telecast. I saw athletic center fielder Ramon Laureano unleash one of the best throws I've ever seen. He picks up a single by Mitch Moreland and comes up with this incredible Roberto Clemente-like throw to the plate and supposedly nails Xander Bogarts on a bang-bang play right there at the plate. The throw didn't bounce. He threw it 96 miles an hour from center field all the way home. And umpire Kerwin Danley had the perfect look at it. He calls Bogarts out. The play gets reviewed. The play gets upheld. And then the next half inning... The Nesson telecast shows an angle from right above the plate where Bogart's foot was to the corner of home plate before the tag swiped on him. So he should have been safe. And I don't know if the major league, now all the major league umpire, the major league uh, reviews are, are doing the same way as we are in the SEC at a central office uh, in New York. Of course, our central office is Birmingham, but major league baseball is doing the reviews in New York. And, did they not have the angle? I mean, it's it's the it's central command. It's the nerve center of Major League Baseball. Did they not have this angle from right above home plate that showed Bogart's foot to the corner and the athletics catcher is just about to swipe the tag down? To me, it was video evidence he was safe. I can't believe that it didn't get overturned. So I'm going to point this out as much as I can throughout the Major League Baseball season. If this replay isn't going to be right every single time, get it off my lawn completely. Good old baseball replay. Takes forever, and like you're saying, they don't always get it right. It's supposed to take no more than two minutes. This review took more than two minutes. I can imagine. So get that off my clock. (laughs) Have you seen Mike Gundy's hair lately, Phil? I can see it from here. Of course. I mean, it's what, about three hours away from where we are in Fort Smith right now? You could see that mountain all the way from here. It's blonde now. Now, Mike Gundy has performed with this mullet for a couple years now, and now it's dyed blonde. Blonde. Like bleach blonde. And it's out there. And he's just telling people to get off his lawn. He has, if you remember, nicknamed his hair the Arkansas Waterfall. He's actually got a son that goes to U of A, for those who don't know. And... It is majestic, and I just hope my hair looks like that. But Gundy's just telling people to get off his lawn. He does not care. He is just so... His hair is just He's so He's a man. He's 50. Is he 50 now? He's got to be close. So with that press conference 
mid 2000s, late 2000s. I want him to re-record that whole thing. I'm a man. I'm 50. I think that would be funny. My aunt, who's an Oklahoma State alum, she told me that that was an actually a really good video in terms of showing kids for recruiting that he's going to put the blame on him. He's never going to call out kid press conferences. Because initially when I watched that, I, I would think that would be a bad look for recruiting. But the way she explained it, she's like, kids and parents like that, that he was putting the blame on himself rather than a 21, 18, 19-year-old kid, which he referred to as. And he was just ticked off. That's the one, one of the best press conferences ever, post-game, that I've ever seen. Well, he's, so, got, he's got the best mullet in college football. That is true. And Dana Holgerson is second. And second to who? Second to Mike Gundy. It's I mean, hey, Holgerson's mullet's disgusting, uh, man. Well, He's, I mean, uh, show me one that isn't. Mullet's got uh, yeah. Uh, Gundy's got a good one. Not well, he's got a mountain on the top of it. Holgerson's got a <laughs> he's got like a he's got a sinkhole on the top of it. All right, my last. Oh, the AAF, the American. What is it? The Alliance, the Alliance of American Football. He's going to die. You're happy about this. I'm, I mean, look, I mean, uh, it's not that I'm happy. It's just validating what I've always said. And I, you, you pointed out before our show, I mean, you've got friends that, that took jobs with some of these teams. Yeah, I know they're going to lose their jobs, I know a Bill. couple of people that, uh, that left uh, the University of Arkansas to work for the uh, team in San Antonio. And I'm not going to celebrate people losing their jobs. Not at all. But minor, minor league football does not work it just doesn't it never has i don't know if it's a matter of the calendar you're trying to play on in spring if it's just the idea that college football is the real minor league football or if it's the idea that yes there is such a thing as too much football that sounds satanic coming out of your mouth but it's it might be true there's a reason people i think tommy was talking about that people crave it for so long, like the build-up to SEC media days, the build-up to the first game for Arkansas, like those videos I put out, five days, ten days, they got so much traffic because people were so excited. You don't get that same love if it's going on year-round. You just don't. You know, and there are traditions that are associated with all the football that we watch and talk about in the fall. High school football's got tons of tradition. College football does, too. The NFL, it's all about tradition. When are those played again? Remind me one more time. Friday, Saturday, Sundays? No, sorry. The calendar part of the year. I mean, it's in the fall. Yeah, in the fall. In the, in the early, late summer, fall, and then into the early winter. But I think maybe part of the problem, and this goes to why the XFL doesn't work, why the AAF is not working, why arena football doesn't work, it's tough to get people to buy into being rabid fans of something that's completely new. This happens with minor league baseball teams those fan bases don't stick around as rapidly as they did the first four years. But those teams also aren't paying the players and the coaches. All these minor league football teams are paying them. So, I don't know. I just don't think minor league football works. The Twisters in Little Rock, I give them this season at most. The AAF isn't even going to make it through its first season. And the XFL has zero chance of working. So minor league football, off my lawn. I guess my last one, I'll close it. I just got a text from Brad Caldwell, who is part of the Corlissville documentary, and he sent me a picture 
of the Bud Walton setup, which is almost exactly what it looked like when Mike Anderson was hired. So for all the people that don't think a coach is going to get hired, unless something just tragically goes wrong with contract negotiation, I just I find it hard to believe that a coach is not going to get hired in the oh, next day or so. The reports are there, right, at the Mountain West Wire. I mean, I am looking at this picture. I don't know what this could be besides a basketball The Mountain West conference. Wire reporting that Eric Musselman is on campus at Arkansas right now uh, Ken McPherson talking Trey with Shapp. talking mm-hmm. with Hunter Yurcha that there was a meeting today. Trey Shap, our friend from from the, from the Buzz and Little Rock, says one of his sources says Eric Musselman is in Fayetteville for an interview and a visit to campus right now. This this tweet coming out. It would be the most about fifty Ar- minutes ago. It would be the most Arkansas thing for them to set up the press conference anticipating that he was going to sign on the dotted line and for him to change his mind, similar to what a- and not even wait like Dana Altman did. Because he was about 22, 23 hours and then went back to Creighton. But for Musselman to fly up here and then get a call, get a text, or just change of heart all of a sudden say, can't do it, and then just fly back to Nevada or fly back to Reno and just, that would be the most Arkansas thing ever, Phil. I hope, I really hate the idea of having to associate that being an Arkansas thing, but unfortunately it was once. <laughs> and so it's kind of, it kind of sticks with me. Like the Halftime Pod? Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush podcast at hitthatline.com.